Hello, it's Judy Foodie alongside Liz Ozowski. Hi, Liz. Hey there, Judy. <laughs> Does that happen to you all the time? Because it happens to me a lot. The last name especially, yes. Oh, yeah. No, I get Judy a lot. Mm-hmm. I said that's my mom, but thank you. It's okay. Well, Judy Foodie, we are both excited for today's guests. We have a two-for-one episode with U.S. women's hockey players Megan Duggan and Kendall Coyne. And I know the U.S. women's hockey team is near and dear to your heart. And a big reason why is their story is one that you can really relate to. Really, Lynn or Liz? My love for them has no bounds. I I love everything about the USA women's ice hockey team. What they fight for, what they represent, what they honor, who they are, not just as athletes, but as people. And um, and before we start this episode, a little bit of context into how these women have managed to change the culture and landscape, literally, and as we will see in the future, the history of women's ice hockey in this country and for so many young girls because um, they have done just that. And it's a model, actually, as you said, I'm familiar with because we've gone through a lot of the same things. We fought this similar fight in the 1990s with U.S. soccer. They uh, also tried, they'll mention Cami Granado, a legend and friend, um, a legend of the women's ice hockey game, who tried to wage this fight in the 90s as well alongside us uh, and was unable to do so and ended up, I think, getting cut from the team in large part thanks to her role in that. Um, and now you find these women, you know, almost two decades later, fighting the good fight and um, talking about how important a role Cami played in their lives, which warms my heart. And when I say fight, I mean their eagerness to uh, not just change the pay structure, which you hear so much about in today's uh, present fight with U.S. soccer, but it's about better support, better funding, better programming, more marketing, essentially more investment in the women's game so that young girls growing up are able to showcase their talents to others. In this episode, we will talk a lot about a pivotal moment in the history of U.S. women's hockey in which the team almost boycotted a world championship on home soil in 2017 in taking a stance against U.S. hockey. So we really dive deep into that. And I think, Julie, you would agree we wanted to share that story because it's something that people in the sport of hockey will look back upon and say that was a turning point going forward for what women's hockey in the United States will look like. And we wanted to share that story because it's a story we all face in a different form, right? Maybe you don't play hockey, but you play a different sport or you're facing a challenge in your life. It's about getting a movement together and changing the culture of what you're doing. And It speaks to so many different areas of life, and I want people to hear this, and we want people to hear this, um, because it is so impactful what they've done. So without further ado, Megan Duggan, captain of the Olympic U.S. hockey team, which won gold in Pyeongchang at the 2018 Winter Olympics. She also has two silver Olympic medals. We call those white gold, two white gold medals. Plus, she's a seven-time world champion. Yes, seven-time world champion. She won three national titles at the University of Wisconsin. And 
Most important, she's now Prager's. That's right. Megan is knocked up with a boy due in in February. Uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield also won gold in Pyeongchang in 2018. She also won white gold in Sochi. And Kendall is a six-time world champion. She is known as one of the fastest skaters. So much fun to watch, to play the game. And she was able to actually showcase that speed this year at the NHL All-Star Skills Competition, where she almost beat all the boys. We're going to talk about that. Oh, yes, we are. So get comfortable listening. It's Megan and Coiner. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing. To the podcast, almost on the pod. We are just outside. We did think, like, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this every time on the pod? I feel like it's much more intimate. Just, can you set the scene of where we are, Megan and Coiner? Yeah. So uh, we are at the Andaz Hotel in uh, New on Wall York. Street in New York. It's um, what dreams are made of. <laughs> Uh, Kendall and I are roomies, and we are sitting Aww. in the smallest portion of our room, right outside our bathroom. <laughs> we we did tape, to give you some context, three of the World Cup Champs Week podcasts actually in the bathroom. In the bathroom. In the bathroom. Because literally, literally Lynn was sitting on the toilet, like, adjusting audio Almost. levels. Because that was the only place we didn't get radio interference. We kept picking up radio stations in her head. Yeah. I think it was just in her head, actually. It was the voices in her head. <laughs> But, yeah, and so we had to sit inside, <laughs> and they had no idea. So they'd walk in, and they'd be like, go, really? <laughs> this is intimate. It was yeah. a Ritz-Carlton, so at oh, least it was so a the nice bathroom. was probably bathroom. huge. Yeah. Nice bathroom. Well, we appreciate you giving us the hallway yeah. of the, <laughs> the two-bedroom room <laughs> of, of the bathroom. Something we like to do when we're, we have teammates is have each teammate introduce one another. So if you can introduce one another both. Personally, as people and also as players, describe oh, each cool. other. Okay, right. I'll go. Okay. So we have with us today Kendall Coin Schofield, the fastest female hockey player in the world. Yes, no she questions. Is. Um, first woman to compete in the NHL skills competition and practically win the thing. Um, multi-Olympian, multi-world champion, gold medal Olympic athlete, um, and pioneer for women's sports, um, young girls, uh, Chicago native, um, huge sports fan, and her husband plays in the NFL for the LA Chargers, um, and that's the best image right there. <laughs> Michael next to Kendall. I'm just like, I could keep going. So this is um, really impressive. Has done a ton of work. This could be in, one of the yeah, best just, we've ever had. Just, I mean, I think it's good. Kendall Coyne Schofield here. Um, How would you I describe think, her as a person? I think you nailed it. <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, just stop. As a person, just like such a good friend, super genuine. Um, 
honest and someone that you can really uh, work through problems with. Great problem solver. And mm. uh, like I said, just pioneer. Um, always looking to do the right thing. Um, helpful to have in your corner. Thanks, Mags. Yeah. And a great <laughs> smile. Look at her smile. Yeah. Oh, that was cute. Yeah, that was <laughs> nice. We haven't seen each other in a long time. I know. So it's like we see each other today, and I'm like, oh, Kendall, I missed you in my life. I know. Oh. All right. So with us is Megan Duggan. Have you gone with um, I haven't We're officially good. changed the last name okay. yet. We're, we'll mm. discuss that offline okay. after because I need your help. But Okay. Um, Wife of Jillian Apps, who is a three-time Olympic gold medalist. Oh, and we are going to get into that <laughs> from Canada. But we've talked, we've talked about Jill enough. Yeah. Let's talk about Megan. Megan is a... Three, about Jill. That's it. A three-time Olympian, an Olympic gold medalist, a two-time silver medalist, um, one of the most fearless and dominant captains and leaders that the U.S. Women's Program has ever seen, probably since Cami Granado um, back... Um, when we were all little girls and aspired to be her, and <laughs> back in Meg- my day, <laughs> <laughs> yep. And and Megan is heard in this era for our generation of players, and um, you know the fearless leader that we've seen, whether it's through negotiations, locker room, on the ice, off the ice. Um, she's she's been our leader. Um, she's a seven-time world champion. Patty Kazmaier Award winner, arguably one Kendall's of the- a Patty Kaz Award winner, too. It's oh. my turn. It's my turn. That <laughs> means, for you non-hockey people out there, explain what that means. The Best Heisman. collegiate yeah. it's, it's, hockey player. Yeah. It's the Heisman of women's hockey. Yeah. Um, Patty Kazmaier was a player who played at Princeton University, was dominant in her era, and um, she passed away, and in her honor, the trophy was... Created, I believe, in 1998. Yep. Um, as the top female college play college hockey player, um, so Megan won that award. Arguably, the greatest player to come through Wisconsin hockey. She won three national championships. <laughs> a lot which, of finger, a lot of finger waving. <laughs> sorry, three or four. I can't remember. Um, I made it. I played in one NCAA game in my career. So, Kendall's northeastern accolade list could not fit in this room. I don't think. No. And I think most importantly, um, you know, we we'll talk about. We can talk about Megan as a person. I kind of honed in on it as as her leadership roles and. You know, always having our backs as as teammates. But I think the most exciting thing about it's not even a thing. The most exciting <laughs> aspect, and I think all of us are extremely excited about, is um, what's growing. Yeah, I was just gonna say, <laughs> let's go there. We are we are gaining a teammate. Yes, um, and teammate. I think we're all extremely excited for Megan, and we can't wait to meet our new teammate. <laughs> and he is. Going to be rooting for Team USA yes. his entire life, no matter what. <laughs> he will be in red, white, and blue every yes. single day. Yes. There's yes. no yes. maple leaf. No, zero. We are catching around out this right house. now. So, like, who will he play for? And it's like, okay, everyone just back off. And I keep joking that but I'm like, seriously, the US team, obviously. Yeah, but for reals. Well, I mean, between, I, I think I texted her yeah. this. I go, between the Lambs, two, or the Lambs, two boys, Jesse Vetter's two boys, Bree. Bree's boys. Oh God! It's all boys. I go. We have a starting. We have the starting line for the Olympic team in 20, <laughs> 20 something. Yeah. Twenty fifty. I can't even count that right. far. Yeah, we got the starting lineup. 
Kendall said, like, here we are, you know, paving the way for young girls in their future, and all of us are having boys. <laughs> but we'll raise great men, I think. Well, so. then you just have to have another. Yeah. And another. Yeah. And then Kendall will have four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, so you you know it's a boy. We okay. do. Yep. Yep. Oh, that was um, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Kendall um, just spilled the news. Yeah, yeah. So super, uh, super psyched. I mean, would have been psyched either way, really. Didn't have an opinion, um, just wanted a healthy checkup and healthy news, and that's what we got. So, yeah, yeah, that's so very awesome. exciting. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. No! Yeah. Crazy, boop, boop, crazy boop. to think about, but. What's the due date? I have so many questions. Um, end of February, so, yeah, I'm about 21 weeks right now. So, so just over half. Yep. And you're not just even, like, because no one can see us, of course, on a podcast, but yeah. let me paint I the mean, visual. It definitely There's feels no different than you I... You look so good. Like, I have, like, a tight tank top on underneath, you can come, see. Come on, let me see it. Let me see the lump. There's nothing... Yeah. Right? Like, you can well, tell. Well, you know how fit Max is. There's <laughs> obviously something there. That's not too many, well, you know what's too many drinks last night. That's, that's a baby. You know what's so crazy? So, at the ALC yesterday, out of so many different women there, there was, um, I think, four of us that were pregnant. Um, Alana Myers-Taylor is due a few weeks after myself, but two of the other women there, one of the track athletes and then one of the women that was presenting as part of that um, you know, extreme, you all had the exact same due date. Yeah. Not just week. Yeah. Day. Exact same day. Um, which I was blown away by. I don't know why. I think that is so wild. It's like weird, good karma. Yeah. That's what I thought. Awesome women. Yeah. So. Well, end of February was pretty surreal for us Mm -hmm. in 2018. So when she said end of February, I said either the oh, 22nd or 23rd. Right. You can go either way. 23rd in Korea, 22nd in the U.S. Yeah. That would be pretty sweet two years later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Kendall said that actually was um, when I told the team, which was back in the summer. Um, she was one of the first ones to reach out, called me. I couldn't answer, but left me a message on my voicemail and texted me and said, you know, end of February is a pretty good time in, in all of our lives. So for a lot of reasons, which would be cool. So, Aww. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah, so goodbye. So the Lamb twins have had theirs. Yeah. You are Pragers. Yep. So Kendall, it's in the water, sister. Look out. <laughs> Slow down. Slow. Not yet. Slow down, Julie. Not yet. I have to see my husband first. Yeah. Exactly. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. Conception. Yeah. Yeah. That has At some point. Kind the of little coin Schofield babies. Yeah. I want a dog first. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. We did too. And then I don't have time for like, a dog though. That's good training. Like, can we talk Jillian real quick? I know we sure. just Kendall talked about her, but your your wife at, um, played for Canada, won three Olympic gold medals, two of them snatching mm-hmm. the gold from you guys. She reminds me all the time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, that to me, I'm like, what is that dinner table conversation <laughs> like post Olympics yeah. with that? Because they're not. I mean, you, you play Canada in the final, the last two Olympics before Pyeongchang, and <clears throat> I was at the one in um, 2014 in Sochi, mm-hmm. and uh, and knew you all by then, and that was just, as a journalist, which we're not supposed to get emotionally invested, it was heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. It was, I remember standing in the mix zone with you, Megan, and... Yeah. You were in tears, and I was, like, trying to hold it together. I was like, I can't <laughs> lose it in the mix zone as a journalist. Um, so what were those conversations like after? Because yeah. um, were you guys together then? 
early early on in our relationship at that point um in the 2010 olympics no we knew each other as competitors um so that kind of is a wash i guess but in 2014 yes um you know we were early in our relationship and um it, it's uh it wasn't easy i'll tell you that like if i'm being frank like it was it's definitely not an easy thing to go to go through but um, obviously have, you know, since gone through that and committed our lives to each other and gotten married and we're having a child, a child. So I think, um, I think going into something like that and entering into a relationship like that, you have to be able to kind of separate your personal life mm-hmm. and your professional life to an extent. And, um, you have to know kind of what comes with it. Um, I, the two of us are the most competitive people in the world. We're competitive about everything. Well, you know, like washing our cars, like stuff at the house. Like we get in arguments all the time about just what we're competitive. How are you competitive washing a car? (laughs) Just like, I'm just like the most ridiculous things. My rims are shining than your rims. Um, I believe that love trumps all in, in everything. Um, you know, and sport is the one of the most important things in my life but um family and friends and my relationships are are literally just right above that and um so it was something that certainly we had to walk through a little bit and I am much more um I'm a little bit more difficult to deal with probably than Jillian is she's very laid back and chill and um you know has to put up with me so I think she probably took the brunt of it during that time frame after 2014 but um, it's just like such a rock and amazing. And we were, you know, both able to celebrate each other, um, and the, the ups and downs and the successes along the way. Um, okay. And... But what did she say to you after? <laughs> it's cut to that. No, I mean, it did, was, what like... was that conversation that night? It, I don't think, I don't even remember talking. You're like, <laughs> I'm not talking to you. Yeah. It was, it was wow. a little bit of that for a while, probably. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, obviously our relationship has evolved over the last four or five years. And um, I think one of the greatest things was that, um, and I actually wrote it in my vows, was that she was, um, you know, with me, even though she was on the ground for 24 hours in Korea, she was there to see kind of my lifelong dream played through. Um, you know, traveled 36 hours to be on the ground for 24 hours to be there in the stands and see that game. And um, so... You know, we've been certainly been through a lot together, but supported each other throughout everything. Aww. Yeah, getting That's all awesome. serious in this podcast. Uh, like, we sometimes can't joke deep. around about we it. Go yeah. deep. <laughs> um, what does having a child mean in terms of your playing future? Um, right now, it means we have uh, we're lucky to have great maternity leave benefits through USA Hockey and the USOC. Um, as we fought very hard lately. For. That yeah. yep, that our um, you know leadership and our team fought really hard for. Obviously, Monique and Jocelyn were able to benefit from them as well. And um, my plan is to come back. Um, yeah, yeah. I have. I no wasn't o- sure about that. I yeah, know. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I've yes. had. Um, you know, I've, I've, it's uh, it's been, been a journey to get to this point and. Um, I'm super excited and really present in my pregnancy, able to train through my pregnancy, which is awesome. Um, with the help of Monique's husband, Anthony, uh, who created the program for both Mojo is the way that (laughs) it's written on his Mojo pregnancy lifts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel really confident in just using that program that's, you know, hockey specific and baby specific and feel safe um, doing everything I need to do. Obviously, oh, you make awesome. modifications, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's the plan. And we'll have an, like, another fan or another teammate, as Kendall said. <laughs> We're going to go into the 2018 Olympics, but let's rewind first 
just to give some context. Mm -hmm. I'm big on giving context because not everyone follows the hockey world as closely as us. Mm -hmm. And I'm especially interested and fascinated by the courage it took to do what you guys did. Because uh, I know for many years you had been fighting USA Hockey for better support, uh, better pay, all these things. Uh, better marketing, I mean, not just the pay element, everything else that comes with it. Better you know, development of the grassroots and more girls playing and more opportunities for girls to play. And But it came to a head in 2017. So let's rewind to just before that world championship, what's happening? Well, the negotiations two weeks before the world championships took place were going on for nine months. So almost a year went by and we didn't see any progress made. And we knew the only leverage we had were the world championships, which were on home soil in Plymouth, Michigan. And so two weeks before, uh, I think s some people realized what could happen if we didn't come to an agreement. And I think some people figured, well, we'll, we'll play. I mean, we'll play no matter what. And so two weeks before we, we went out, public and said we're not playing until significant progress is made and it was roughly the what do you say the longest two weeks <laughs> yeah. of, I, I know we we've all been through a lot but it was a long two weeks and it, it just we weren't with each other which was so difficult mm. but we felt like we were standing right next to each other because we were constantly on the phone we were leaning on each other for support there were twists and turns within the, those two weeks whether it was USA Hockey trying to find replacement players instead of coming to an agreement whether it was a group of us getting on a plane to Philadelphia with 24 hour notice to sit in a room and negotiate for 12 hours there were so many twists and turns to the week that um, I, honestly there were days I thought we were going to play and there were days that I had, I was saying, saying to myself, well, you know, no have, enjoy playing. your off season. We're <laughs> not playing. Like, you know, season's over. We're not playing. And so two days before, after countless meetings and phone calls and conference calls and flights and emergency um, board member meetings yep. internally, uh, we, we were able to come to an agreement and the three buckets, just so people know that we were really, really focused on was programming. So more games before 2017, we mm -hmm. were playing 10 games a year as a national team, five in the world championships and five in the four nations cup. And that was it. Right. And that's not enough. We train right. all year round for five games and we're not visible enough. So programming was a big aspect, the compensation piece, because up to that point, we were receiving nothing from USA Hockey, and we were receiving $2,000 from the USOC as our direct athlete support. A so, month. A month. a month yep. as a stipend that USOC gave you. So we were living off $24,000 a year. Right. And expected, expected to train, to train as elite athletes, yeah. eat as elite athletes, perform as elite athletes. It was nearly impossible. We all had second jobs. Um, and then the last piece that was a real big focus besides the grassroots level was the marketing aspect. Mm -hmm. And so we felt comfortable with the agreement we were able to come to. Obviously, we played. Most importantly, we won. Yeah. Without training, like Without, two days before, two, two days before you come camp. to agreement and you play and, and win. No pre-camp. Yep. No pre-camp. We just showed up. We played. We won. And it was the energy. It, it was the unity and the energy. Mm -hmm. I think that. I mean, we went five and zero in that tournament. Won in overtime in front of a sold-out crowd the last night against Canada. Over Canada. And it was mm -hmm. just, yeah. I remember the moment we 
we had our first practice. Our first practice was closed to the media. Second practice was open to the media. And I remember there were a few young girls on the boards, and they had signs that said, Be Bold for Change and Thank uh, You. And I was like, we're winning this. Yeah, like, it was I was like, so oh my awesome. God, that just gave me like, the me chill. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I've been getting like, chills for the last two minutes. Yeah. 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 I was like, that's why, we, that's why we do this. That's why uh. we did this. It's, it's not for this group. It's not for 23 individuals. It's for the landscape of this game, and specifically the landscape of the game in the United States. And seeing those girls and being in the autograph sessions after the games, hearing parents just say thank you, and it it, it caught me off guard because I'm like, they get it. Like they mm-hmm. get this isn't an this isn't an equal pay case that we're trying to get what the NHLers are getting. We're trying to change the landscape of the game so that their when their daughters grow up, they're not told to be grateful to have the opportunity to play for Team USA, mm-hmm. and that's that's good enough. They need to have the resources to be an unbelievable member of Team USA and an elite member of Team USA because they have those resources. And that's exactly what they said to you. Cami Granato tell, told me that story. Mm-hmm. That back in the, the 1990s, so my era of playing, when she was fighting for similar things, and she said that the coach said, you should stop fighting for this. Mm-hmm. You should just be grateful to wear the United States uniform. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Is he coaching for free? Right. <laughs> Is he grateful just to be the coach of the United States? Tell him to fuck off and get out of here. I was so mad. I was like, I don't, I think he's getting paid. I think he was getting paid six figures too, yeah. probably. I'm like, really? I was so mad. I'm like, but they ask us to wear the red, white, and blue, which we're incredibly grateful to do. But hey, I got to make a living too. I got to survive. And, you know, you mentioned Cammy and, and Kendall mentioned her earlier as someone that, um, you know, we all, just aspired to be watching them play in 98 and, you know, the early 2000s. And someone that we, at, prior to all of this going on in the most recent Olympics, hadn't had a ton of, of contact with. Um, but what a rock she was for us during this time period. Um, someone to communicate with um, every day. Someone that supported us, you know, without without any questions or um, without strings was just in our corner the whole time and meant a lot to us as she said you know we had looked up to her our whole life and that was something she mentioned we we tried to make change like this you know we we tried back in the day and couldn't get the whole group together we couldn't stay unified and um, and that I've said a lot and, and I'm sure Kendall would agree was one of the biggest reasons why we were able to accomplish what we were able to accomplish was the unity, mm-hmm. um, the unity of, of our team, you know, the 23 women, the unity of all of the women underneath us, you know, the U22 team, the U18, mm-hmm. U18 team, every collegiate player we were calling. I mean, I don't we got on the phone. Explain that because this is fascinating as well. Yeah, I mean, we... This doesn't just happen by chance. Yeah. This was you. Megan. I mean, Kendall mentioned prior to prior to going public, like, we had a plan in place. You know, we had a we had a legal team. We had... We, we knew what we were up against. Um, we had research. We had done our homework. We had worked really hard at this. We had... It all started with, you know, conversations around the meal table of, you know, what's going on in our program? How can we make change? You know, we're the right group to do it. What is, what do we want? What does equality look like? What are we receiving right now? And, and we carried that momentum through the whole thing. And one of the big things, obviously, that anyone would think of is if we get to the point, as Kendall mentioned, that we're going to have to put this world championship on the line and boycott, their first response could be, 
no problem. We'll bring the next 23 best mm-hmm. players. So we knew that would, could potentially be a response, and we, um, you know, we just tackled that from all angles. Um, we pretty much sat down for two weeks or, you know, the, the time leading up to it and during and called, I think, almost every single female hockey player in America from age 10 up. Um, and you divided that up amongst the group or how did you do yeah, that? Yeah. Um, it was important to, a, to a handful of us, you know, to really get on the phone and make a, a, a majority of those phone calls, I think, because wow. as we talked about as a group, I think the, the biggest factor in that was we didn't want to call and, and threaten people. We didn't want to call and say, um, this is what we're doing, you know, get on board or else. Mm-hmm. What we wanted to do was educate. We were, as Kendall mentioned, we were so excited to be a part of this movement that was changing our sport, not for us, mm-hmm. not for Megan Duggan and Kendall Coyne to make more money, but for to really change the landscape of the future and these girls that we were calling are the future. And it was important for us to get on the phone and say, hey, this is what this team is doing. These are the reasons why we're doing it. This is what it means. Um, this is what we're hoping to change. And we would love for you to, you know, be on the right side of this and, and join us. It's a great opportunity for all of us to unite and we'd love your support. And, and that was it. And um, every single one of them was on board too. It was, <laughs> yeah, they were. And, but it, it, it goes to what Megan said. It's, it was the education piece behind it. I remember speaking to some college coaches and explaining, what what is going on and I and I was one year out of college and that was really challenging because some of the older players do listen to them and how miserable the postgraduate life is whether it has to do with pro hockey or the national team and in college everything's great everything's right in front of you and you don't have to think about anything school and hockey that's it and so my first year out of college I remember it took maybe a month and I'm like wow this really is miserable like I just thought they were I just thought they were complaining a lot they this is miserable you know this is awful so because you have no environment to train in no environment to train in, no resources to, yeah I mean I was working out with a free agent football group at 8 a.m every day in Denver Colorado and skating by myself every day in between and jump on the ice with the Colorado Thunderbird boys. Mm. And that's, we would get together and everyone was doing that all over the country. So Kendall always beating <laughs> up on the boys. I love it. No, but <laughs> it was, I remember a conversation I had with a college coach and I said to him, I go, I remember when I got a call from the national team that I made a world championship besides your parents, the, the next person you go to is your college coach to say, Hey coach, I made the team. I go, your players are going to be receiving calls within the next maybe hour or days saying that they had the opportunity to represent team USA in a world championship. I go, I guarantee you they're going to come to you and ask what to do. You can't force them what to do, but we hope as their coach and a role model on campus that you educate them in what this fight is about. This fight isn't about the 23 players that their, that their invitation is not an invitation that's genuine. And their invitation is actually USA hockey, not trying to, resolve something that's going to impact them at some point in their life. This is much greater than an invitation to a world championship that they might not have received otherwise. And so that was a big piece that I think, you know, speaking to the coaches and, and they understood it and, yeah. and having their support was very helpful as well. And what helped, what, what got us to um, the point we were to make that agreement two days before the champ- world championship started. Well, yeah. You, and you said it was the longest two weeks of our lives. Put 
that in perspective too, because I think sometimes people have the misconception of you've done all this and it wasn't that scary. It wasn't that, it's hard, they get it. But like how scary that moment is and what you were feeling emotionally as well. Because you clearly want to play in your world championships. It's one of your only programming. It's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing outside of the Olympics. Mm -hmm. The last thing an athlete wants to do is miss their world championship. On home soil. Yeah. Yeah, right. Which doesn't happen, what, it's every... Second time. Yeah, ever. Yeah, ever. Um, ever. It's our every... The world championship in a non-Olympic year is our everything. It's, you know, our Stanley Cup on the women's side. And it was... The emotions were everywhere. Like, I can speak for myself. You know, there would be days I didn't leave the house because I was sitting in my pajamas on the on the phone and on the computer all day, you know, making sure I was talking to everyone. And we had conference calls trying to stay connected with my teammates all the while thinking... If this does go through, I'm playing in a world championship in two weeks, so I should probably go find somewhere to skate for the day. So who's got ice, you know, calling around? Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was scary. It was emotional. Um, exhausting. It was exhausting. You know, we, we all needed at one point in those couple of weeks, and really long term with, you know, it was more than the two weeks, but those two weeks were the toughest. We all needed at one point a, a little pick-me-up. And I think we gave that to each other, whether it was through, um, you know, through text or checking in on FaceTime or um, Hillary Knight at one point, you know, to a group of our, our leadership that had kind of been really in the rough with everything every day, sent um, like, you know, flowers around to everyone with a little note, um, the, a quote on it. And it just was one like of those. Delivered? Yeah. Um, it was one of those. I can't remember the exact quote. I have it. Um, I saved the little card, but, you know. We got this, basically. But yeah, it was rough. It was rough. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of tears. But it, it was the unity. I've said so many times in the in the communication, through the hard times and through the questions, that was the unsung hero. I'm having to joggle my memory a little bit, but didn't you close out the last negotiations, Megan? Yourself, rather than a lawyer? Come yeah, on, let's we had the hear whole this story. We, we had the, the whole team. I mean, there was, there was, not the whole team, there was eight of us in the room. I believe, right? Eight to 10 of us that flew to Philadelphia. Um, and then so many of our teammates that uh, couldn't fly in or um, were on the on the phone. And like Kendall said, it was a 12-hour day back and forth. Um, and yeah, I mean, we just kind of decided it would be pretty passionate coming from the players um, and being able to, you know, be in a position to just represent the players in that moment. And John Langle looked at, at me and, you know, Kendall really and, and Hillary and Casey and, and said, you know, I think, I think you just say what you just said when they come in here. You say it. And we were all kind of like, what? You're the lawyer. We've just been sitting here. You say it. And he goes, no, you say it. And, I mean, could have never had the courage to say what I did and, and walk through that process without the team right there. I mean, it was practically like we were arm in arm in the room. But yeah, it was pretty intense, and I think they saw Re-enacted. how Come powerful on. how powerful it was, like coming from our group and the players, and what we how we felt. We basically said we didn't come this far to come this far, and we are. This is what we mean. We're not leaving this room without X, Y, and Z. And you know, we had a little emotion behind it, I think, and uh, yeah, we were able to move, start to move forward from there. We didn't come this far to come this far. <laughs> I'm going to tattoo that on my forehead. <laughs> that was so a good one. Good. Yeah. I remember that. I remember when Johnny told me that line, and I was like, that is the best. <laughs> it's because it's so true. 
Like so many people, when you get to that edge, it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. We're not, we didn't come this far to exactly. come this far. We got to get over it. And to give more context, correct me if I'm wrong, but John Lingle was your team's lawyer yes. for your national team. Yes. Yes. Yep. Talk about unsung heroes. John yeah. and Dee. Johnny. And the Ballard Spark Bernardo team. Langle. Yeah. Is that his middle name? Yes. Bernardo. Bernard, I think. remember that. Okay. Johnny Bernard. I used to call him <laughs> when I got really mad. Johnny Bernard. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call him that right now, but maybe next time. <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet. It's funny because he would say how many similarities he saw in this hockey group to our group because he's the one who carried us through in 1999 with all those discussions. Very similar to approach with the unity and getting the younger kids. We did it via conference call with all the younger kids. Um, so it was the same strategy mm-hmm. you used 20 years yeah. earlier, just about. Yeah. And I but think for our group, we looked to those who came before us and did it like you guys. And looking at the continued fight of women's soccer, you look at what Billie Jean King Exactly. Did and you know you you look and you see it's when you're in the moment it's hard to see what you're fighting for if you don't have a vision you're not going to be successful and I think we all had a vision of what is possible and that's why we were successful mm. you guys had a vision of what you needed and what mm-hmm. you wanted and I think our vision was was so strong and I think if we talk about the f- you know fast forward now it's 2019. Were we going to get into that? Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Yeah. I'm ready to go there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But now you, you like, we're sitting in this room and all the, you know, the, all of these terms and this language that you're fighting for. And, you know, it, it, it's been so rewarding over the last almost three years to see something and be like, oh, that's what we fought for. Mm. Like, like what? Give me an example. The Lammers having a babysitter at training camp. Right. I mean, I I would have to say I would have never, I would have never thought I could have a child and come back and play hockey. There was one person never. that I saw wow. do it, and not to keep bringing Billie Jean up, but you need to see it to be it. I saw Jenny Potter. I was roommates with her, and I remember Cullen jumping on our bunk beds in Blaine, <laughs> Minnesota, and just thinking she was crazy. Like, but it was the exception then, right? Like it was. It was, yeah, it was exactly. and now with what we've been able to fight for and create, it can be the norm. Right, because right. now you have support. Yes, that will allow you to to, to, to do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something. And in addition, the programming aspect, we're playing Canada seven times this year. Mm. We're playing them two times in Pittsburgh next month. We're playing them in Hartford, Connecticut, and then in Moncton in December. And then we they just announced the rivalry series that's going to be in Vancouver, Victoria, and Anaheim. That's those are additional five games. That got added to our schedule. In addition, the World Championships went from five games to seven games. So the programming aspect is huge right. because huge. we have so much more to train for, so yeah. much more to look forward to, and more product to be able to put in front of fans. People would wanted to see us, but they didn't know where to find us. And mm-hmm. we're, that's the marketing aspect, and we're, st- we're still fighting for that. We want to get our games on TV, of course, and our World Championships were on NHL Network last year, which was excellent. And so to see that... Mm-hmm. impact has been incredible and the compensation piece you can see the the changes people have made in their training and their you know their commitment to getting ice their commitment to their strength coaches their nutrition and the you know we've been successful and it's no surprise to me because you are what what your resources are mm-hmm. and we're finally starting to get those resources and i think the biggest piece is our communication between usa hockey has has increased so much tremendously that it's it's been eye-opening that we in a healthy way 
Yep. Like you're actually healthy. You're able yes. to say this is good. This yes. is this is correct. Have productive conversations. I mean, we don't want to go backwards. They don't want to go backwards. Oh, and um, you know, as Kendall said, we're starting to see some of the fruits of all this labor that we've had. And are we exactly where we need to be for women in sports? No. As Billy said, you know, as of recently, like there's, you know, we all, all got to keep pushing in all industries. Yeah. Um, but yes, the lines of communication have been, um, you know, much more transparent and open um, and they're listening to the players. And that seems like it's even a change since after the 2018 Olympics, you guys win the gold medal in dramatic fashion. One of the most exciting games. I was on the edge of my couch. You were at the game. I was at the game. And freaking out again, which I wasn't supposed to be doing <laughs> you again. Were in the media as section. a capital J journalist, right? <laughs> I, I love seeing like the American like, journalists. Oh. Like there was a, a video of Catherine Tappan and uh, and Jeremy Roenick uh, over there with like yeah. NBC. Or were they also like freaking out? Celebrating like Jr. They showed us the video. I think right <laughs> after the awesome. game, Jr. Like picked her up and they're screaming like, "Are you guys supposed to be impartial?" Or like, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. So you have all of this momentum after the Olympics. But it seemed like there was a lull with everything you'd achieved with negotiations in 2017. You do your job, win the world championships, win the Olympics, but still things weren't happening. Because it seemed like after the Olympics, it still there still wasn't it still wasn't where you guys wanted it to be. Yeah. I think I think it just takes time. Like I think it's been, you know, more conversations, more pushing from from our side. Um, you know, different meetings. I think um, new leadership. You know, kind of a, a a fresh start and a and a look for okay. You know, now what's next? What do we want to go after together? And um, and I think it just you know has taken a little bit of time, I guess. But I think the lull like that you're talking about is the reality of what of women's hockey is the Olympics are every four years, but we're working every day. And after the Olympics, there's nothing for us to look forward to, whether you're one of the 23 women on the national team or you're not. Yes, you know, I think there was a huge media opportunity that we could have capitalized post-Olympic for USA Hockey's standpoint, but I also think part of it is the current landscape of the game, of not having anywhere for us players to go to compete every day in between an Olympic year. Hmm. Okay, so let's go there. Where are we with a professional league? Because I know that you all stepped away and are doing this gap tour from the NWHL, right? So you have how many Canadians and Americans that said, okay, it's not the environment we think is the healthy, you know, is going to get us to where we need to get to. So tell us about this next iteration of a professional women's league. Yeah, there's nearly 200 players who committed to being a part of the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association that Ballard and Spar helped us file in May. Johnny and, Bernardo. <laughs> yes, certainly. And I can't, I can't for, wait to call him that. He's going to die that I've outed his middle name on our podcast. Sorry, John. Um, and so the nearly 200 players came together and said, look, we can't keep accepting the fiddle of women's hockey. We can't keep accepting the breadcrumbs. We can't keep just going to the rink at 10 o'clock every night, practice for an hour, play a couple games on the weekends here and there, and call ourselves a professional athlete. There's nothing professional about what we have for women's hockey. So why are we calling ourselves it? We need to create truly what professional hockey should look like and be. 
And so we decided to come together and we've uh, formed this Dream Gap Tour, which we're, we've already had two stops in Toronto and New Hampshire, and we're heading to Chicago this coming weekend. Um, and again, we talked about the rewarding part of our negotiations and seeing things come to fruition. But for this, it, I mean, it's the same thing. We're organizing it as players, and uh, we have a lot of amazing pioneers helping us along the way and guiding us. But I would love to see more support from the NHL in mm-hmm. the backing of professional women's hockey. Mm-hmm. They they haven't they haven't given enough support, and I think that's where we need to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes the most sense, right? Like a WNHL? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think when you look at um, kind of what, what history has shown us with, you know, you look at the WNBA, you look at um, European soccer and, and some of the, the way that um, startup leagues or women's leagues are aligned with the male professional counterpart. Um, you know, they have a lot of the infrastructure and the long-term business model and sustainability and plans and things like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it benefits both sides, mm-hmm. really. And um, that's, history shown us that that's where the success is. So I think, you know, similar to 2017, we can draw a lot of what we kind of went through during that time period and what our mission was and put some of that into what's going on right now. I mean, it's it started with, over the last however many years, conversations all the time between players. What does what does being a professional athlete look like, right? It's, it's not some of those things that she mentioned. It looks like women being able to play and earn a living and not, not work, you know, 15 side jobs, mm-hmm. you know. And so those are the things that, that this group is obviously ready to try to try to make happen for the future generation, obviously for our generation right now. But, um, you know, for, for long term, when you look 10, 15, 20 years right. out, there is a professional women's hockey league, a WNHL that is, you know, just flourishing and uh, that all of our future daughters can play in. And, or sons. And, or, <laughs> or sons can cheer on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, even like I played in Minnesota last year and my salary was $7,000 and everyone was confused why I didn't move to Minnesota. Right. And I said, I'm offended that you are asking me to move to Minnesota for a salary, if you want to call it that, of $7,000. I would call it a donation at that rate. <laughs> right? So, no, I'm just going to fly in for games mm-hmm. and play in the games if you want me to be a part of the team because at that rate, it, it's not worth it. And, right. you know, how, or sustainable. How is, no, you, it's not how sustainable. Is, why hasn't the NHL then, to your point, stepped into this void? Such a great question, Julie. Thank you, capital J journalist. <laughs> Sometimes they come out. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, you know, the NHL has been really clear in the media with their position on it and that um, they're, they're not, you know, going to get involved in women's hockey um, and, unless is there's... there a yet? Unless there is a, um, you know, a viable... Unless there's no longer a viable option for women to play. Um, we, as players, feel like that's where we're at right now, um, that there's, there's not a long-term viable option for women to play. Uh, and I, I... Obviously, it doesn't feel that they're at that point right now. Um, but so we're going to get there. So meaning because there still is an NWHL... It's still out there, even though all of you stars are not playing in it. But because it still exists, they don't want to come in and look like the one that ended that league, which... I would imagine that would be my take on it. Um, like I said, that's that's what they've put out in the 
media for everyone to see. That's kind of their their stance on it. Um, and you know, as players, um, as this elite group of players, we're going to continue to um, to push that boundary. And as Kendall said, you know, we'd love to see them um, step up. Are they yeah. part of this Dream Gap Tour NHL? No, no. So this is the players. I know Billie have, Jean is doing Billie a lot Jean, with this. Alana. Yeah, we have a lot of great sponsors: Adidas, the NHLPA, mm. Magellan Corporation, yeah. Bauer, Bauer, Dunkin' uh, Donuts, Dunkin. Yeah, we're gonna miss we, someone, but we love you all. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, we, but the fact we that we have, we have, some, we have some Dunkin' Donuts. Why are we donuts? eating donuts, <laughs> Lynn? What is wrong with us? That's all we do on this. I podcast, know it's like the Donut honestly. Show. I did ask. I sent an email out asking for a request of donuts and Megan said that she's an apple I said fritter yeah apple per fritter person, so, which you know, begs the question is that a donut I think so they sell it at Dunkin Donuts they also sell muffins and stuff there I guess too right interestingly enough <laughs> I bought ham and cheese sandwiches <laughs> I bought half a dozen donuts and I had to pay separately for the apple oh, fritter no, so I don't know Lynn. if that like Clears things up. I am Are you a yes all or no? in on an apple fritter being a, a donut. donut if, yeah. My, which my theory is, I don't know where you fall on this. You candle. like cinnamon rolls, Cinnamon right? roll is a donut. Do you think a cinnamon roll is a donut, Kendall? No. I'm sorry, Kendall. You're going to have to exit this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, finally. Give me <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Cinnamon roll. I never roll. thought about that. Well, have you guys done the whole hot dog sandwich yeah. today, too? Oh, yeah. so I actually brought that up because Stephen Colbert asked. I would like a donut. Please. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you, you guys eat one every that? time you podcast? Oh, yeah, no. Like, we did Dude three live half. tapings of podcasts the other day, and I only ate about six donuts that entire day. Wow. That was my, my daily substance. I like that. I think that might be an Sustenance. exaggeration just to let. No. Is this presented by Duncan? <laughs> yeah. It needs to be. Oh, I'll let you go first, Guess I don't want oh, to I'm, choose. I'm okay. I have my private one right here. Oh, Kendall? I'm okay. Thank you, though. <laughs> Look at that face you see. <laughs> going back to the, Stephen Colbert asked Peter Ruth Parker. Bader Ginsburg that question. She asked him, what's your definition of a sandwich? Hmm. And he said, I think, pieces, a piece of bread with meat between it. Pieces of bread with meat between it. Yeah. So, so that's the I think thing. You can like, get into the whole like open face sandwich, and there's only. But one like piece peanut of butter and jelly isn't meat. I call that a sandwich. Or even with things in between. That's things, things, not yeah. meat. Hmm. Stuff in between. But I wouldn't call a bagel a sandwich. Wow, Kendall, that's, we're going deep. She's going deep. I like that. Yeah, it's a very good point. But I never, I never thought to call cinnamon roll a donut because it's always <laughs> just been called a cinnamon roll. <laughs> you know. Deep thoughts on laughter for me. We were just talking about a, a, a negotiation like five minutes ago, and now we're talking about donuts. This is what I Sorry. love about doing podcasts, exactly. honestly. We always say if it goes off the rails, it's that much better. Yeah. Speaking of which, do you have any cravings? Um, right now, I'm okay. I'm not in the craving phase, but early on, first trimester, it was oranges. Couldn't get oh, enough wow. oranges. Bizarre. Mine I don't know she, what it was. Huh? Yeah. Four, five, six a day. Like one after the other. God, that's no canker sores or anything, but like six yeah. oranges in a day. Just like yeah, and it wasn't even orange season because it was July-ish. So orange. I don't know if you know this about Megan. She's like uh, good then. As good of a hockey player, I think she's a better cook. Oh, like she. No kidding. Thanks, you know dad. your like. <laughs> I like to cook. My wife yeah. is way better than I am. Even really, um, oh, well. I yeah, can't even pronounce rocks. half the things she's cooking or the ingredients that <laughs> they're in, are in the things she's cooking. Oh. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> 
What a nice, what is is that nice good for you? craving to have. Yeah, oranges. It was nice. Very refreshing I in the summer. sausages. Like, <laughs> did you eat them? Every sausage <laughs> of them. And 500 pounds later, at three months, the doctor was like, slow it down, down the sausages. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Why couldn't my craving been oranges? Yeah, oranges. I have a, I've had like a little bit of a sweet tooth. I've had some ice cream like earlier on, which like I'm usually not a sweet person. So that was, could probably have been one of them too. But yeah, oranges for sure. Were you hungry? That's how I knew I was pregnant. Yeah. One night I was sitting around the dinner table and family was over and I just couldn't stop <laughs> eating. And my sister-in-law turned to me and she goes, you're, you're pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> and I was like... I know I'm so hungry. I think it. I literally had a test the next day. I peed on the stick and I was like, I am pregnant. She was right. She called it. She's like, I think for me, it was the fatigue more than anything. Uh. Like the not, oh, not like I need to take a nap fatigue, but the like, I'm falling through the floor and falling (laughs) off this chair. My whole body is so fatigued. Fatigue. Sometimes I'm like texting Joss and Mo. I'm like, "Did you guys feel this way? And what did you do when you had to go to the gym that day?" <laughs> They're like, they "Oh say? yeah, those days were rough." <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. So, That's see what you have to go. look forward to after <laughs> yes. your dog. Since we're on kind of a fun, fun topic here, I'd love to transition to um, something I wanted to talk with you about, Kendall, which was your incredible viral video from the NHL All Star yeah. Weekend that Megan brought up in your introduction. I remember seeing that, uh-huh. as millions of others have, and just getting chills yeah. and just pumped. I watched it live, and I was like, go Kendall, go Kendall. <laughs> I've, like, watched it recently. Like, sometimes I watch it just to yeah, jack right. me up a little bit. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. Can you tell the backstory of how that happened? Yeah, so a few weeks before the All-Star Weekend, four of us were invited by the NHL to demonstrate Uh, four of the skills that were going to be taking place in the all-star skills competition. Megan, Hillary, and Amanda had done it the year before in Tampa. So we were down there training for the Olympic year, so I actually saw them do it. So I'm like, oh, okay, like I have a general idea of what we're going to be doing. Like they were awesome, and uh, it it was just so cool to see the women out there with the men a year prior. And so I got there, and we were practicing the events the day before just to make sure everything was going smoothly and just testing the things out. So of course the fastest skater was first and I had to jump in there and do it. And, um, I remember Shane Doan was on the ice for the rehearsal. It was just us. It was, you know, very laid back, but they did have the timers going and, uh, making sure everything was going properly. And Shane Doan turns and goes, why isn't she doing the fastest skater? Um, and Patrick Burke, who was, in charge of everything that that day said I've said the same thing and so long story short Nathan McKinnon gets hurt right before the all-star weekend and he was scheduled to skate in the fast skater competition uh, and since he was unable to go a spot opened up and so the NHL instead of saying you know what we'll just move ahead without him and the show goes on they made the show a little bit bigger <laughs> and they're like let's go coiner and so four hours before the event i got a call saying you're gonna be the first woman to compete in the nhl all-star skills competition and i <laughs> oh, clap. so i you know i took a deep breath i called i called my parents i, I called my husband and i called my best friend i said you guys might want to be watching this later uh 
you know, and, and the first thing my husband said, he's, I, I have to be there. I have to be there. How do I get there? And I was oh. like, it's, it's less than four hours away. And he's in Chicago. I'm in San Jose and he was just devastated. He couldn't be there. But Aww. so he was, I mean, everyone was of course watching from afar. And as soon as I, the, you know, the, uh, the Colorado Avalanche tweeted out, uh, and asked if I would take his place. And I said, sure thing. I'll get to the rink as fast as I can. And, um, you know, the rest is history. And I just remember the energy and the excitement getting to the rink and, uh, seeing some of the guys and some of the other guys just coming out to me saying, Oh, he's so nervous and he's nervous and you're going to be awesome. And just the support, um, you know, I, I know Patrick Kane a little bit from Chicago, and he came out to me right away, and he's like, you got this, have so much fun, Aww. and just to have their support and, and their confidence in my abilities really helped ease my nerves, and, um, you know, I remember I got on the ice for warm-ups, because they let me get go on, even though I wasn't shooting, I was just skating, and I shot a puck on Henrik Lundqvist, and I'm like, oh my god, can I keep the puck? <laughs> like, that was so cool, like, that Did was awesome. No, I just didn't want to hit him in the head, or the whole state of New York would hate me, so I was like, just, just keep pull, it low, yeah, keep, keep it low. low. Just, I didn't need to shoot pucks, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything with pucks the entire evening, I just was out there, and so I got off the ice, and as soon as I got to the starting line, I was first to go. I kicked off the event, which was a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Um, but the entire SAP Center just erupted and started chanting USA, Aww. USA. And that was so cool. I mean, I had no idea what to expect. I don't think anyone knew what to expect, to be honest. And I just remember telling myself, do not fall, do not stumble. <laughs> Otherwise, the narrative changes to, I told you so, women can't even skate in a circle. She doesn't even have a puck. There's not even an opponent out there. Oh, and, God. And that was going through your mind right before? Not when I got to the, the red line, but, you know, an hour leading up to it, pressure. saying, you know, you have, the, you have the weight of your sport on your shoulders right now. And you're so fortunate to be in this position because every single women's player earned this, earned this opportunity. Now, I was the one physically there that day, but every single player earned it because of the product we've put on the ice, the efforts we've had on and off the ice. And we earned the NHL's trust to say, hey, they can seize this moment. Yeah. It was just, I happened to be there, right? So that's what made me so proud of that was that we as a women's hockey community earned it. And so I just, I just remember saying, don't fall, don't stumble, just have a clean run and the rest is history. And so and you seized it, seized it. <laughs> and it, but it, it, you know, and afterwards it's, it's been incredible since and hearing, hearing so many parents saying, my son wants to skate as fast as you, that, oh. that really hits, that really hits home. And even I was at the rink the other day and there was a little boy, he was nine years old and I was, I was in the pro shop getting my sticks cut, my skate sharpened because that's what professional hockey players do these days. They have to go to the pro shop and pay $8 to get their skate sharpened. <laughs> um, and this, this young boy was he was so cute he, he goes holy shit that's actually Kendall Coyne and I was like oh my god he knows who I am and I'm like this nine-year-old boy but I've, you know that moment it people forget I've played in two Olympic games or I've done whatever I've done they they now look at me as this woman who's skated alongside the men and it, it provides me so much fuel to create that platform, not every four years. We, we seize that opportunity every four years when we go to the Olympics, but we need to build that platform alongside the NHL that we can showcase our product and our talent every single year and every single day. And the game is going to grow exponentially. Oh gosh, talk about an untapped market. Like just with a little bit of watering of that garden, it's going to... You know how many people said that was the first time they've ever seen someone skate with a ponytail before? Yeah. 
a lot. I know. And I didn't have a helmet on. So that's what made that moment also very successful. They saw a ponytail in the air. They saw a face. They saw... You know, it probably had a little yeah. mascara on. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to. <laughs> no blush. Yeah. My hot pink lipstick. I think what's interesting, though, like, when I think about that moment, it was so huge for Kendall, our team, our sport, um, you know, women's sports in general. I remember watching it and, you know, so having so many friends and family and people I knew texting me about it and, oh my gosh, can you believe this and blah, blah, blah. And even Kendall said it, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. No one knew what to expect. But as an outsider and not being like humble Kendall right now, when I got those messages and when I saw her, I thought, I knew, of, of course, like, of course, like she just needed that opportunity. Right. You know, the women right. just needed the opportunity. I know mm-hmm. how fast Kendall is. Right. You know how long I've been trying to catch her in practice? <laughs> it's miserable. And it, I wasn't like genuinely was not surprised yeah. at all. I wasn't like a, can you, can you believe this? Yeah. Yes, I can. I can very, yeah. I can believe that. That's right. And I think that's the coolest part is that, you know, our team knows how fast Kendall is and knows that she can likely outskate many of the men in the NHL. Um, but for the whole world to see it was so special and um, really, I think, just you know, ignited that an, another flame that we needed in the women's sports world, which was yeah. pretty cool. What also made that moment so special was the validity of the NHLers. Yeah. You know, a lot of the guys that did know me that were there, they they knew. Like when Patrick came up to me, he's like, "You got this." Like we've skated together in the summer. He knows exactly what I can yeah. bring to the table. But when the the fans saw that, like, oh my goodness, like she's fast. I think it validated our sport because these fans see them on a regular basis, eighty two regular season games a year on national television, and they know how good they are. We're hidden, and so that was the one moment that we weren't hidden and mm. it validated everything we work so hard for every single day mm. and not just every four years. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the NHL could come in as the, you know, the white knight <laughs> and, and, uh, and do a lot of good for, for women's hockey players globally. So let's go NHL. <laughs> it's just incredible what, you and your teammates have done not only are you trying to be the best hockey players you can be but you're actually part of a really large movement that transcends even your sport yeah it, it's an exciting thing to be a part of and i think everyone and exhausting yeah, yeah. And exhausting yeah. i know it's a lot of work, um yeah. and everyone is committed and um you know the communication is constant the mission is is right there on everyone's nose and you know while kendall said yeah we'd love to see more you know from the nhl this has been um you know I guess to your point, like we don't need them as a savior necessarily, but um, you know, this has been something that the, that these women are, this group that we're all a part of has been, you know, just pushing so hard for and excited to see where it goes and and thinks that that is such a strong next step to, um, you know, to work together with an organization like that. Um, But you know what? What the group and, and the advisors and the board and everyone has has created is really powerful um, in itself too. I think what's so what's so special about this generation of players is you know we saw with our group with USA Hockey what we went through a few years ago. But I've been so inspired by this large group of 200 players. This isn't about Team USA. This isn't about Team Canada. This is about the women's game. Yeah. We are coordinating and communicating collectively as a group and it's 
you know, I never, you know, I never had that relationship with a Canadian. I never played with any of them in college. And so, you know, getting to know them through this has been, has been definitely different for me because I just never, I never really knew any of them as people, just as competitors. And so just talking to them and seeing their passion, we, we have the, all have the same goal. And the fact that we, like you said, as a, as a board, as a players association came together as 200 players strong to fight for the next generation at the end of the day, we're all competitors. We all want that gold medal around our neck. But I truly believe that this group has the best interest in the future of the game. And we've all been able to accomplish so many things in our careers, but there's nothing that's going to be more accomplishing than seeing the future and the landscape of professional women's hockey change after this year. And I think, you know, you can ask any player that has a gold medal, a national championship, whatever it is, I think that will be at the top of their charts. Yeah. I know it will be for me. I'm yeah. sure it will be for you. And you know, especially for hopefully our daughters one day, just as we're sitting in the stands and yeah. watching them live out their dream. And, you know, what I can't wait is to see these young girls go to school and draw, you know, some logo on a binder that says, I want to, I want to play pro hockey one day. I want to be a professional hockey player because for us, it was Olympic rings. And we never thought about the financial component to being an Olympic athlete. Mm-hmm. We fought for it a few years back, but now here we are and we realize, well, we can't make a living playing this sport, but you know, my brother could, if he was good enough, but why, why can't I, I never knew that was a reality and it's not a reality still here we are. And it's 2019 and the best professional women's hockey players have not been on the ice together because we don't have the resources to do it. We've been in Canada, in Europe, in the U S just all over the place. The best product of women's hockey shouldn't just be showcased at a world championship. It should be showcased every single night, just like the men are. Yeah. But we don't have the resources and the infrastructure to do that yet. But you're going to get there. We're going to get there. I see that fire. I love it. It's a powerful group. It's a powerful group. And it's, um, you know, there's, there's, I think everyone's at the point now um, in this PWHPA that there's no, you know, there's no egos. There's no side games. There's no... Um, I'm doing this for X reason. Like she said, there's a mission, everyone's on it. Um, and that, and, and the group's going to see it through and, you know, had to, had to step up and, and, and make some of these changes in order to, you know, like Kendall said earlier, um, not continue to kind of just live where we were, but, you know, we want to elevate this and we want to change, change the future of our sport. And, you know, we got to kind of step out and step together and, um, in order to do that. Yeah, like I see the WNBA draft. I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. I was watching it on TV a couple of weeks ago and saw New York. And I'm like, oh, not knowing the landscape of basketball as well as I, I should. But I'm like, oh, I wonder where that college kid is right now that's thinking I'm going to New York. I'm moving to New York and yeah. packing up my life and being there. I'm like, that's so exciting. Yes, being a professional athlete is daunting. Everyone thinks it's all glamorous, but I live it vicariously through my husband right we we got he got cut from denver we packed our bags we were on a flight to la 24 hours later you know it, that's the reality of pro sports like i want to get cut well i don't but I, <laughs> but like i want to feel that but i want to feel that i want to feel okay i'm worthless to this organization but i'm you know i'm worthy to this one right like okay i want to move to a city and live and breathe that city and win a champion for, championship for that city i mean you can't there's no one more excited right now than elena deladon and oh, and the so city awesome. in washington. washington i mean i mean i the nationals there's a lot going on but you just see the pride ooze out of her and i think she has that pride because she's proud to play for that organization yeah. right and it's just 
that's where we want to get to. I just don't want to be on an airplane, you know, on a Saturday morning, play at four o'clock on a Saturday night and then fly back home Sunday morning. But that's where it's convenient. People are staying with their parents. I would sleep on an air mattress at Hannah Brandt's apartment last year when I would fly into Minnesota. You know, it's just like, I, I just want to be treated the right way because I can give you, I can give you my all if you give me something, just something in return. And it's like, I don't know, I just, I, I got drafted. Yeah, I'm not, I don't even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, she could go on. I love I it. Just, I but know. it's just so cool. Like, you know, like, so cool. it's just so, like, they had the, you know, the lottery and you see the, the women, they get, you know, they're all jazzed up to, to, for the draft and it's, it's on ESPN. Like, it's, that is so cool to me. I just sit back. I'm like, gosh, like, I hope one day we see. You, see, you know, I see the WNBA scores on the right bottom here. line. I see, <laughs> see it right I here. I see the highlights on TV. You see the sold out, you know, game, you know, game five of the Mystic Sun, you know, championship. You see the, you know, the players finally being chartered flights cross country. Finally, not there yet, but getting there. It's just, you know, we're just looking for a decent practice time right now. You know, so we, you know, we'll get there. Sorry. Sure will. What was the question? <laughs> That's actually the name of the podcast. Yeah. What was the question? What was the question? <laughs> it should be. That would be a good name. I you get that a lot. That, Wait, what were we talking about? Right. Yeah. Where did that start? Um, it's time for Lynn's game. Are you too competitive at all? No. Like competitive people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I actually had the benefit of seeing this game live yesterday. When you filmed with Billie Jean, I'm gonna do. Jean I'm said, gonna go do push-ups real quick. She goes, "I'm not competitive. No, I can't. I'm, I'm competitive yeah. in tennis, but other things, no." And then by the end of the thing, she's sitting on the edge of her chair with her squeaker, <laughs> ready to go. She buzzed in once before the question was read. Oh, Got it right though. I'm nervous. I did see a lot. Kendall, so you should be nervous because I dominate this game like no other. Do you think you can be an elite athlete and not be competitive? No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. I think that was sarcasm coming out of Lynn. <laughs> Never sarcasm. Never sarcasm. <laughs> All right, where are the speakers, Lynn? Okay. okay. Do you only you have two? You only have ten squeakers. It's true. Maybe I forgot to bring three squeakers oh, on this man. trip, and the Dwayne Reed between my hotel and the walk to this hotel did not have any animal toys or dog toys. Amazingly so, disappointing. I thought you were going to say you were disappointed no, in Dwayne me. Reed, New York City. <laughs> not you, Lynn. So Kendall and Megan get to choose their squeaker, either the fuzzy giraffe or the elephant. We got to go elephant because that's what Billie Jean used yesterday, and she won, I think. Right? <laughs> Jumped oh, on. are we on a team together? I think so. No, oh. it's still every woman for themselves. Oh, sorry. I oh, just we're on a team Julie, together. There's this glass behind you, and you can you can tap in. Oh, okay. Cheers. With the pen. I we were on the same that's team. like at a wedding. Where you kiss. Oh, and someone has to kiss. Yeah. No, we didn't know it did that to us. Which Aww. I was kind of like thankful for, but <laughs> so like I've been at weddings where it happens all night long. Do they do it to you guys? Yeah, all night long, probably right. Um, couple times. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, Megan and Julie are familiar with the game Kendall. I'll tell you what we do each podcast. I come up with just a random trivia game based on something related to one of the guests, and in this instance, it's related to Megan and her amazing voice. Singing voice. Oh, I never oh, mentioned that. She God. is a good cook and a good singer. Megan can do it all. That. I forgot. No. Sorry. Can you give the quick backstory Wait. of your audition on The Voice? Um, sure. Is there a question involved with me singing? Is that what you were? I was like, no, it's the theme my is going to be the something The theme is music oh, okay. related because... Um, the background, yeah. After the 2014... 
14 Olympics, I auditioned for NBC's The Voice, which was awesome here in New York City. Um, I did it for multiple reasons. A lot of people were telling me to do it, but I also thought it would be so out of my comfort zone and very um, nerve-wracking. So it would, you know, challenge me as a person a little bit. And it did. It was terrifying. Um, I sang three songs in front of a NBC producer, um, a group of them. Um, and I was okayed through that round and moved on to the next round, which was cool, which was the interview portion and left there that day with a piece of paper that said, you've done great. You've made it as far as you can today. And we will call you to come to the live show in LA. If you make it, I did not make it to that point, but thankfully, because we had training camp, um, in August around the same time frame, And when I thought about it, um, if they had called me to come back, it would have been, I would have had to say no anyways, because we had training camp. Um, but it was a cool experience, um, and I love to sing. So, I mean, we just you can't, can't ask me. No. You know what? I that. sang R-E-S-B-E-C-T at the ESPNW. Oh, my gosh. I was this close to not doing it, and you and I was like, I'm only doing it because it's Julie Foudy. And, okay, here's the thing. I'm a little hoarse right now. Here's the thing. I love to sing. And I have no voice to sing. And so sadly, you have to listen to me singing all day on podcasts. You do. It's awesome. I sing all the time. So we finally have someone who can sing. Like, just, I mean, come on, just like the first line of the national anthem. Come on. Of the national anthem? That's really hard. That is, that's oh, a, yeah, that's hard because it's low. I could do the same thing I did at. Yeah, come on. Give me something. Like just the, real quick, real quick. Um, I want to hear it. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Only for you guys. I never do that. Holy shit. That's a, it's going to be a lot of oh editing. My God, if, I, if I had that, if I had that voice, I would sing all day. I heard you sing the laughter permitted songs. Your voice is good. What happened to the voice? Like what, how can you not choose that? I honestly think there, I was lame. so nervous though. Do you know, like it was Ugh. like, I wasn't nervous just to do that. I mean, my heart rate got up a little bit maybe, but it's, it's like nerve wracking. Singing and you have to room. sing, you have to sing, um, to the like the music, uh, I find it easier to sing just like a cappella. Um, if I sing with music, I like to sing along with like the artist, and you had to just sing to the music, and I had never done that before, so I found that a little challenging. But uh, I mean, other than that, it's just like there's um, so many good people. I would have been like shitting myself if I was on <laughs> the, the voice. Like, have you heard some no of those people? No pun intended as yeah. we sit outside the bathroom. <laughs> Literally, like they are so good. I'm not at that level. Yeah. It would have been fun and, you know, Olympian there, this whole story, but I don't think I'm at that level. I, think, I like to sing in the shower. I think you're at And on level. the Laughter Permitted podcast. Okay, we got to move it. I'm sorry. <laughs> this game is called Music Mania. So it's just trivia questions and whoever squeaks in first... With an answer. I'm terrible with this, too. But I'm terrible. I don't know anything about music. Just let's start there. (laughs) First question. Which of these musicians has not been a coach on the American version of The Voice? Mm. Britney Spears, CeeLo Green, Jennifer Hudson, or Christina Aguilera? Britney Spears. Correct. Oh, that's what I was going with. I had it. I just had to hear, like, one or two more to know if she was right. Okay. That was Megan Duggan for the win. To Megan, zero to Kendall. Zero to Julie. We got this, Kendall. 
Who was the lead singer of the band Nirvana? I can give you options. Was it Eddie Vedder, Scott Wayland, Ryan Tedder, or Kurt Cobain? <laughs> Kurt Cobain! Yes! <laughs> Kendall has not squeaked one, for the record. <laughs> with their little giraffe, she's just sitting there with a smile. Uh, go on. <laughs> She's like, why did you pick music? Yeah, it's so much better with sports. Shoot, I had that one too. You did. I saw you were leaning on the edge of your chair, like ready to go. Say it. Say it. Coldplay's Chris Martin famously wrote the song "Fix You" for this actress. Uh, (laughs) Um, don't know. Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, did they date? You were married. Oh, they were? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I got to get up on my that. E! News entertainment. Yeah. All right. Question number four. Still, Megan, still in the lead with two correct. What 1990s singer had a successful single called You Can't Touch This? MC Hammer. Correct. <laughs> Can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> you have to know that song, though, right? I do. Can't touch this. Did you, so did you guys have the MC Hammer pants when yeah. you were younger? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like crazy colors. Baggy. baggy short. Tight ankles. Kendall's retiring her dress. <laughs> Kendall, it's not over till it's over. You didn't come this far to go this far. <laughs> exactly. All right, we've got this. Last question. What rapper interrupted Taylor Swift's... Kanye West. <laughs> I have never Sorry. been shut out before. <laughs> Out of this entire game. Is this like the radio <laughs> where you like, just have to say you've I, just been defeated by Megan Duggan on laughter permitted? I guess we should. Those were good questions. Oh, All right. God. Elephant for the win. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Most pressing questions. Are you ready? Kendall, this one's for you. <laughs> is this about music? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> You'll get this one. This is why I'm going to you. I'm trying to rebuild your confidence. Favorite pump-up music? Bruno Mars. There you go. Oh, yeah. There was no Bruno Mars. No, Kendall yeah. would have killed I mean, if, it killed Bruno. if it was Bruno. You Bruno Mars. Me too. Remember Bruno how Mars. cute you were when you went to the Bruno concert when we were down in Florida? Just came to the locker room the next day and was just like, guys, the Bruno... You went with Lee, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so, oh you're a huge My third Bruno time. Fan. Yeah. You've seen him three times? Yeah. Live? Yeah. Oh. Guess, ask me what other concerts I've been to. None. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that to the kids. I'm like, oh, if we could go to one concert, I would want to go to Bruno Mars with you. And my husband's like, is it appropriate? I was like, yes, right? Super appropriate. And Thank you. I respect his talent, his yeah. the, his ability to dance, his He's, voice. Like, yeah. it's just incredible what he can do. Yeah, you don't I even agree. you just stare and like you're in awe. It's like how you watch, uh, you know, how I watch some hockey games. Like, wow, like yeah, that's a phenomenal player, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a phenomenal. Musician. Yeah, he's so good. Okay. And I got engaged. You know, Marry You is on the back in the background. You know, Aww. Marry You by Bruno Mars. Think I'm gonna marry you. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful song. night. Go I'm sing it. Sing it. Sing it, you too. <laughs> it's a beautiful night. We're looking for something dumb to do. Right? Hey, baby. I think I want to marry you. you. I feel like we're yeah. in a recording Michael studio. Michael definitely right planned that. He did. Yeah. He knows I like Bruno. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, and then there he was. At the ice cream store. Yes. Yeah. That's when he played that music at the ice cream store. 
And proposed to you? Yes. Oh. It was on in the background. I didn't pick up what was going on. <laughs> there were like flowers puddles on like, the floor. They don't be sweeping yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> and then I turned. Why is and he there? On he was one looking knee. eye to eye to me for the first time <laughs> on one knee, <laughs> proposing. How tall is he? That is so six funny. seven. Have you ever seen pictures of them? I've seen them together. He's yeah. It's so big, six seven. And what are you, Kendall? Four eleven. <laughs> yeah. What are you yeah. talking? Real real height or five roster? two? Are you are you above five foot? For yes. Reals? Am For I below five two? Yes. Above five zero? <laughs> yes. Okay. You, right. do, you do cross the five foot threshold. I'm yes. proud of you. Okay. Are you coffee drinkers? And if so, how do you take your coffee? That is such a good question, and it is so difficult right now because I'm not having coffee during my pregnancy. Oh, that was the worst. And it that first mind. two weeks of not having coffee. Yes, I am a coffee connoisseur. I love it. Um, we have an espresso machine at home, pour over, French press, everything. Um, normally, I am um, just like a good strong cup of coffee with a little bit of milk or a little cream. Pretty simple. But yeah, I'm not drinking coffee right now, and I miss it every not single even day. Decaf. Occasional decaf just doesn't do it for me. You know, it's not even that tasty. Um, but you're not a coffee drinker, are you? No, never have been. I, I appreciate a good, a nice cup. Me too. I really do. But I'm obsessed with, you know what I love at Dunkin'? Oh, yeah, blueberry muffins. Yeah. I got her one once one time, left yeah. it out her door at the oh. hotel. Oh, I wish I'd known. Oh, that's oh. okay. It's probably better that way right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I love coffee. Muffins. Coffee is like... Top five things for me, like mm. in the world. Oh, I've never hard every up. morning. Yeah. Like my dad has a cup of coffee in his hand. I don't think I've ever seen him without one. Yeah, it's the experience. It is. I go to bed excited Thinking. about my coffee the next morning. You know what? Me too. <laughs> and even right now, I still do. Even though I'm not having it the next day, I go to bed thinking, "Oh, oh my gosh, the morning wait. brings coffee." Then I wake <laughs> up and I'm like, "Nope, here's my lemon water." <laughs> yeah. That's such a buzzkill. Lemon water. Okay. High, low cheer. Our last segment. We do this around the dinner table with my kids. They're high of the day. They're low of the day. And something they cheer about. Like someone or something they're grateful for in their lives. But we're going to do it of your careers. So high, low cheer of your careers. Who wants to start? Um, Need a second. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, Jeez. Um, Billy's answer yesterday was so good to that. That was way. so oh, good. I have, I have to just shout that out. Yeah. She was Say like, high, high of the career. What's, you know, like Billie Jean King, right? How many highs of her career does she have? And she just said, I'm not done yet. And I was like, wow. She said, I don't have one. I'm not done yet. Yeah. I should use that tomorrow. <laughs> it turned to her in the cab after. And I was, was like, so, and it was that so, was the best. it was, it was so authentic. And she was so, hadn't thought about it, but it came to her and it was awesome. And I it's won't so say that. Billy. It, 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 it was, so it was awesome. Yeah, she was. Awesome. That's the way we need to think. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Um, but in not saying that, high of um, high of my career, I think would be, you know, the the change process we started in 2017, which I think leads into now a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. That that momentum, um, what we were able to accomplish as a group. And I think having the the guts and the unity to do something like that, I think it changed all of our lives in so many ways, Um, learning that process and challenging ourselves and being pushed out of our comfort zone. Um, You know, 
winning gold medals is is the greatest thing ever, but that was um, it just has such a lasting impact and it was so important to us at the time low of my career i would have to say the sochi heartbreaker was a was a tough one um you know something that just still hurts to this day you know even after winning it just still um still hurts i think the the whole way it unfolded that um you know that game and and how we kind of gave it away at the end um I just, yeah, that was a heartbreaking moment. Um, and then cheer. Um, I just cheer for my team, um, you know, past, present. Uh, the girls that more recently and, you know, have been, we've been going through the trenches together and the change that they're making, we're making as a group, I just, I think about all the time. And it's it's awesome to be a part of. And I think, um, yeah, I cheer for cheer for that group and everyone that's been a part of it. It is such an amazing group. I say that all the time to anyone who doesn't know women's ice hockey. I'm like, (laughs) they are the best. I say this to to Lynn all the time. I'm like, so grounded, so smart, so funny, all the things you want, and strong women, and role models. What I've said to Julie is how much you guys remind me of the 99ers. I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of them, Mm. and there's just a, a humbleness, a drive, desire as you've talked about so much to help the other another generation yeah well you feed off each other too right we we all have that mentality where you see you know you don't leave anyone behind you Mm -hmm. see I see what she was doing in 2017 day in and day out how am I going to be a player that's like I don't believe in this you know when you see your teammate going through the trenches for the game you you know, you, how can I help? I want to be alongside. I want to be a part of this fight, whether you're a young player or an old player or right in between. You, 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 be, you, get on, you get on the team and you see what it's about right away. I think that's what makes our team so strong is the buy-in of the culture. You know, you realize this isn't a team that just wants to win. This is a team that wants to change the game forever. Yeah, I think I cheer for the team, too, because we've been through a lot together. It's not an easy... I mean, everyone, people see us, like, a lot of what our team's been able to do from the outside and the success we've had as of late and winning world championships and gold medals. And, like, you know, it's it's not easy, like, being, you know, trying to manage... all of us manage each other and our emotions and, and walking through that together and making these changes and having these passions and, um, you know, but we, but we go through it together, whether we're like this, you know, butting heads sometimes or whether we're united and together, like the mission's always the same, um, whether people hate each other one day or love each other the next. And, um, you know, that's what I love There's so much emotion and so much passion and it hasn't been easy, but the mission always remains. And I think that's, that requires a a big cheer. If we all thought the same way about something we would never Never get get anywhere yeah that's what's so special about the group is being able to take everyone's thoughts and make them the collective Mm -hmm. all right kendall you're lynn's phone (laughs) sorry about that kendall's hi Um, so the high of my career uh, i mean megan touched on one of them um and again gold medals are are incredible it's something you dream about something I dreamt about since I was seven when I met Cammie and held her gold medal and um you know when I was a kid I I grew up wanting to win a gold medal because I want to be first place you know I want to be the best 
And then you get older and you realize you don't want to win a gold medal just to be the best. You want to win a gold medal because you're going to inspire the next kid to want to win theirs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what was so special about that moment was coming back to the United States after 20 years of not winning in the U.S. and just seeing how excited young boys and girls were to meet our team, to talk about the shootout, to talk about Maddie Rooney, to talk about Jocelyn's Oops, I Did It Again, to talk about our journey and realize that maybe I can be the next one to go to the Olympic Games. I can be the next one to win a gold medal. And, uh, you know, I think that's what I realized from the heartbreak in Sochi to, you know, the, the growth process in 2018 was, you know, you don't, you don't just win to be the best. You win to create the best and the next best. And I think that's what's been so exciting from that. That was a high, um, you know, there's, there's so many, um, you know, I love my hockey camp that every year over 100 girls from all over the United States come in and just to see the smiles on their faces, the opportunity and um, the excitement that they bring, they fuel me. And, um, you know, that's always that's always a high of, a, of my year. Um, uh, but I would say, you know, I think what tops the list for me is being at the Olympic Games and seeing my entire family there. And it was, we didn't, we didn't win anything yet. We were just all there. And the sacrifices my brothers and my sister and my parents have made for me to get to the Olympic Games. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just me. I, yeah, I was the one wearing the jersey, but um, they're the ultimate teammates. And without their sacrifice, their efforts, their dedication, and, you know, even my siblings sacrificing so much that I, so I can achieve my dream and sometimes put theirs aside um, really meant a lot to have them all there at both Olympic Games alongside. And, um, you know, that was definitely a high. I think mm-hmm. I remember seeing them in the uh, we after a game, just seeing them all there finally. They all came at different times, work, school, whatever. And uh, and I just remember looking at my parents and I said, we did it. You know, we made it. And so that was a really cool high for me personally, um, mm-hmm. which I hate talking about myself. So that was, Do it, girl. Um, Do it. And that, that was a high. I mean, of course, the All-Star, the All-Star weekend, you know, that was, you know, that's up there. And then not to, I know you said one, but the other <laughs> one, sorry. <laughs> No, I was like, I love it. Kendall just going down her entire. No, but then the besides, you know, seeing my family, seeing my family at the games, that was, you know, that's that was an incredible moment that I feel we worked like everyone just sacrificed so much for. But then, you know, going being able to get a college education for free was was another one. Um, You know, now looking back, I never realized why I had the opportunity to play college hockey and why I had the opportunity to get a scholarship, but learning the history of women in sports and why I have that opportunity, I appreciate it so much more. And, you know, we're trying to create that for women today so that they can grow up and play pro sports and not even think about it and make a living doing it. And we both grew up, if I'm good enough, I can get a college scholarship and and go to school and get an education and play. And I never thought second, second, had a second thought of why am I able to do that? It just did it. And so I just have such an appreciation for those who fought for Title IX 50 years ago and gave us those opportunities today. So I, I really appreciate and always think of that experience that I was able to go through because of sport. Um, and I encourage so many young girls to do the same if they can play sports in college. It's one of the greatest experiences you'll ever have. Lowe's, um, Sochi. Are you sure you're done with your highs? I can keep. I mean, I can keep going. Anyone listening? Sports are one of the greatest. I'm just kidding. Go to Lowe's. Yeah. You brought it up. You need me to squeak. Um, Lowe's. I would say 
Sochi was Sochi was a low. Um, that was that was a tough pill to swallow. Um, first Olympic Games, didn't know what to expect. I think it was really hard coming back home and feeling like we failed our entire nation. And I was so embarrassed to face reality and face people. And I wanted to say sorry, like I'm sorry we let you down. And Aww. then you get you get home, and then you realize there's like all these kids that are like, "Can I see your silver medal?" And I'm like are you sure? Like, and, and it didn't matter to them. It what? didn't matter. Oh, no, that, that's like participation trophies. We're going to go there? No. Um, we call ours white gold. We should have beat Norway. I'm just saying. It makes it, you know. No. Like, I think it makes it worse. I know. Silver's hard. Yeah. And especially like that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was, it was the way it the was game the way it yeah. all unfolded. unfolded. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we had it in exactly. our mind. And, like, but I don't think we there's were... ever a low, a, such a low in sports that you can't learn from and make yeah. it a yeah. high. Oh, yeah. So it's Which so hard to call did. it a low yeah. because mm-hmm. I learned so much about our team, about the game, about the Olympics, about myself. And, 100%. you know, through that moment that, it, you know, I, it's hard to call it a low because right. there's so many worse things in life that yeah. that's not so that's not a low to me. But um, in my hockey career yeah yeah that's a that's a low um and then who I cheer for well on Sundays I cheer for the Los Angeles Chargers <laughs> and I I do cheer for all women in sports anytime I can get to a game watch a game follow follow an athlete follow their story um I'm just constantly rooting for women in sports and uh I actually I'm, I'm grateful for my husband he he's the one that instilled that in me um you know I've always been a fan of sports but he's the first one to say well the mystics are playing at six o'clock pacific time tonight he goes what time do you get home from hockey I'll have it on or and, you know and Aww. he's the you know he's he's the biggest fan biggest supporter and um you know he's he's brought a new light to uh, you know these these fights that are become exhausting and without his support and his sacrifice of not really seeing me and me not being as present in his life as I would I want to be and need to be um he you know he sacrificed a lot along the way so I'm I'm thankful for him I love that mm-hmm. yay Michael <laughs> yay. yay for supporting yeah your wives through this we all have these great husbands or partners who have been spouses who've I think allow us to do our our magic. Oh, if they yeah, don't, we can sure. be with them. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. That's maybe, why it works, maybe right? Out the door. Yeah, yeah you need up. <laughs> you guys, thank you. Thank you. All the craziness, like sitting with us and taking the time. We so appreciate it. And I just want the world to hear your story and know more about you because we need more Kendall, Megan, U.S. women's ice hockey players in our lives. I feel like we'd all be in a better place. You're an awesome storyteller, so thanks for telling yeah. our story. Yeah, thank you. You're someone we look up to, though. You, know, you, you oh, paved the way for us to get to where we are today. I love them. I do, I do, I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, how about when we thank them for spending the time and and Megan's like, no, thank you for sharing our story. I know. Oh, I know. So good. So good. Yeah. All right. Takeaways, Lynn. Um, I- oh, oh, wait. <laughs> and also, <laughs> when Kendall started rattling off like seven, <laughs> seven highs, 
I need to count them. I haven't counted them. I think she gave like seven. And literally, like Megan and I started looking at each other like, oh my God, is she going to keep going? <laughs> I don't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be the buzzkill and say, hey, we're good, coiner. Go to Lowe's, coiner. Go to Lowe's. It goes to show you what an optimist she is. She's always looking at the glass half full. Lots of highs. <laughs> Okay, what are your takeaways, Lynn? My main takeaway is how strong Megan and Kendall are. I've always been so impressed whenever I've gotten a chance to hang out with them. They're both phenomenal athletes and even better people. Mm. And so committed to the cause of having more girls and, and giving the next generation a chance Anytime I would talk to John Langle, their lawyer, uh, who's one of their lawyers, um, there was a group at Ballard Spar that was working on this, but he would talk about, you know, like their outreach to the players, which we were talking about on the podcast. It was not just, oh, we should maybe reach out to them. They wanted to personally talk to each player, each coach. I mean, going down the list of hundreds. They wanted to touch base with them. They felt it was that important. Uh, and I just so greatly admire what they've been able to do. And I hope, I hope um, that we'll be talking in a decade about, you know, that moment in 2017 and what this group was able to accomplish, because I do think it's going to change the history of, of women's ice hockey for sure. All right, Lynn, questions permitted. Got one for you, Jules, that comes from at NobleLady09. As a retired player, what is your favorite workout these days? If you're ever looking for a rec team so you can get your steps in, there's always a spot open for you on one of mine. (laughs) She sounds like Joy Fawcett. Joy's constantly, my old teammate, constantly like, come on, Fowdy, we're playing indoor. (laughs) That's about all I could do, I think, is indoor. Put me on a big field? No, thank you. Bring (laughs) paramedics, an oxygen tank, and a lot of help on the sidelines. Um, (laughs) I actually actually still run, and but I like to do anything I do communally, and it's my chance to catch up with moms. So I rarely will run on my own unless there's a great podcast. Um, I can listen to, or um, I want to catch up on some other, you know, news. But yeah, I like to do all my workouts with people. I still, and sweat outside. Well, I think we bonded early on because we would go on runs together. Mm. That was always fun. Mm-hmm. You got to get healthy again, Lynn. I know. I've had some Achilles tendonitis that has kept me from running. I just ordered some resistance bands from body by Simone. And she is the trainer that trained Jennifer Gardner when Jennifer Gardner was getting into crazy, amazing shape for her movie peppermint. Yeah. So the next time you see me, let's say like maybe in a month, I'm going to mistake you for Jennifer Gardner. Yes. Okay. At least my arms, hopefully. (laughs) All right, that's it for this episode. We would love to hear your takeaways, so drop us a line on social media, leave a comment on our Apple podcast page, and you can help us grow our dope village. Comment by comment, friend to friend, even to strangers. We don't care. Talk to someone you don't know about us. 
Uh, thank you to the amazing Kate Diaz for our theme music. She's a Julie Fatty Sports Leadership Academy alum. Check her out on Spotify and Apple Music. And wherever you are right now, there's one thing we want you to remember about life. So sing it with us, kids. Laughter permitted. I never thought to call cinnamon roll a donut because it's always just been called a cinnamon roll. Don't forget to check out another great ESPN podcast. That's what she said with Sarah Spain. This week, Sarah chats with Stanford psychology professor Jamil Zaki, who specializes in empathy. Download and subscribe to That's What She Said wherever you get your podcasts.